Hello, dear friends. God bless you. Welcome to a word of victory. And Father, I just thank you tonight in the name of Jesus that as we join here together in agreement, Father God, we are your children. Lord, we are washed and cleansed in the blood of your son, Jesus. And we have come, Lord, at an appointed time uh, to spend uh, quality time with you, Father, to seek your face. You said that if we would seek your face, that you would be found by us. And Father, we just thank you tonight in the name of Jesus for pouring out your spirit on us, Father, like you promised in the last days, you said you will pour out your spirit on all flesh. Your young men, your old men, your maidservants, your handmaidens will all dream dreams, see visions um, and will walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. And Father, we ask you tonight in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us, Lord. Let us tune in and sink in with the worship that's going on in heaven right now, Lord. Let us tune in and uh, rest in your presence, just as you rested, Lord, from all your labors. You rested on the seventh day and you called us to enter into your Sabbath rest. And so, Lord, as we lay our heads upon your breast, let us hear, Lord, and pick up the beating of your heart and the things that are on your heart for us um, for such a time as this, Lord. We praise you and we thank you for your fellowship, for your uh, love for us, Lord, for your mercy. And we ask you now in Jesus' name, by the power of your precious Holy Spirit, to alight in us, Lord, a fresh fire to pour out upon us, Father, afresh the baptism of your Holy Spirit. We submit to you, Lord, and we ask you, Lord, to take the floor and speak to us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Praise God. So I'd like to start in the book of Galatians and chapter 5. And I'm going to read it from um, the NIV. And uh, let's read down through it here together. So it's Galatians chapter 5. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You see, the reason Jesus came was to set us free. We've read that many times before in Isaiah chapter 61. Um, you know, that Jesus came to set the captives free. And he proclaimed it himself as well in Luke chapter 4. And so, um, you know, this scripture here in Galatians chapter 1 it was for freedom that Christ has set us free so he came in order that we would be given freedom and in order that we would be set free from slavery not to be burdened by a yoke of slavery and so many of us you know I believe the Lord is really uh, wants to heal us um, from from burdens and from yokes that have been lingering inside of us, even have been put on us by other people, even through trauma and through events and, and uh, circumstances uh, in our lives where we have been yoked into slavery to something. And we're going to look at, at slavery in a moment. Uh, let's continue here in Galatians chapter 5. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be uncircumcised, 
be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. So here, the church in Galatia at the time were having this argument with some of the religious uh, people who wanted the new believers to be circumcised uh, in order really to make them uh, be the same as the Jewish brothers and sisters. But you see, the Lord didn't call the people in the new covenant to be circumcised in their flesh. He called us to be circumcised in our hearts. And uh, the mark of a of a of a, a Jewish person uh, born, uh, you know, to the Israelite nation was that when the baby was eight days old, they would take the baby and they would the male baby and they would circumcise him and they would also give him his name on that day and it was a it was a you know an ordinance that was given to the Jews by God but in the new covenant um you know Jesus said he came to fulfill the law it's not that he he suddenly you know replaced the law or replaced the Jewish people because they are God's chosen people but he has grafted in us gentiles uh, who were not born Jews into God's family and reconciled us all back to the Father through his blood. And what was happening here was that some of these uh, more religious or um, people who were, you know, just, I guess, worked up on the law, were insisting that the new believers be circumcised. And Paul was saying, listen, Jesus came to set you free from every yoke of slavery and you know he he's what he's saying here is, is is that you need not to be circumcised in the flesh uh, in fact so much through the new testament we're told to circumcise our hearts and uh, this is something that we all need to do because, as I said earlier, there have been circumstances in life, there have been traumas, there have been issues uh, that iniquities even coming down the generations that have caused many things. And one of the things I want to speak about today is bitterness in, in the heart, bitterness of the soul area. And, you know, the thing is, is that the Lord wants us to circumcise those places in our hearts where we have been um, contaminated or wounded or marred, scarred even, by the things that have gone on in life. We're to circumcise our hearts, not the flesh. And this is what Paul, this is the argument he was having here with them. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You see, by the circumcision of flesh, they were they were coming in under the old covenant and not the new covenant written in the blood of Jesus, which was a covenant of um, mercy, first of all, uh, of forgiveness, of reconciliation and of freedom. For though this, uh, sorry, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love and again through the new testament we see this so much you know that jesus said you know when the son of man comes back will he find faith on the earth in first corinthians chapter 13 it's the great chapter about love and you know it says and these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love and so our faith is expressed through our love not through our ritual adherence 
um, to the law. Do we need to obey God's commands? Of course we do. But the thing is, the reason the Savior had to come, the reason God had to send a Messiah was that no man could keep the whole law. It was it was actually a yoke and a burden to him. And uh, that's why Jesus came to bring us freedom and to forgive us and to show us mercy and bring salvation to us so that our salvation is not based on works. It's not based on how good we are or how good a person you are, uh, how how well you have obeyed God's commands. Because Romans uh, chapter 3 tells us that all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. There's no one except Jesus who kept, uh, you know, who never sinned. He was the only one who never sinned. And again, like I've spoken of before, that goes back to where his blood came from. His blood came from God the Father, not from any human father. And that is why he was, uh, you know, a supernatural conception. Anyway, let's go back to this. Um... You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. That's what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor. It's favor with God that we did not deserve, but that he lovingly bestowed upon us through the sacrifice that his son made for us. Uh, So uh, you have been alienated from Christ, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. So you see, again, going back to Romans chapter 4, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And uh, in in Romans chapter uh 10 it tells us about how that if we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God that he died for our sins and that God raised him from the dead we will be acquitted uh, we are acquitted of all our sins and given righteousness the free gift of righteousness that is right standing with God and so it's by the spirit Uh, We eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So our faith is expressed in the way we love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whether whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. So Paul is getting angry here at those religious ones that are, you know, trying to inflict punishment and penance upon new believers in order to get them to act righteously. You know, righteousness is a free gift. God gave it to us as a free gift. Uh, Salvation is a free gift. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a free gift. There is none of us that can pay for it. There is none of us that can make ourselves so holy and so good that God will say, hmm, 
Yes, I think I'll I'll think I'll let him in and I think I'll let her in because they really are exceptional people. You know, all of us are equal before God. It doesn't matter where we've come from, what side of the tracks you were born on. It doesn't matter what color skin you have. It doesn't matter what kind of, uh, you know, family you came from. God sees no difference. You know, it's man who brought in differences and it's man who brought in complications to the gospel to make it extremely complicated. Uh, Jesus said, you know, stray not from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, so Paul's getting angry here at, <clears throat> at these religious ones. And in verse 13, it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You know, friend, God has called you to be free. He has not called you to be uh, a subject of of a slave driver or a taskmaster of fear or a torment or of bitterness or of, you know, your past. God has called you to be free. And in that freedom, there is such joy. And, uh, you know, that's why Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you may have uh, an abundant life, that you may enjoy your life to the full. So this freedom, uh, what Paul is saying here, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. <clears throat> Excuse me. We need to be so careful about getting involved in the acts of the flesh, in getting involved when there's strife going on or when there's some kind of an influence of Jezebel or witchcraft or, or whatever the, 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 um, you know, the ungodly thing that's going on. We need to be careful that we don't come under the flesh and, and act out there. We need to follow the spirit. If you want to read up more on that, go to read uh, Romans chapter 8 on uh, fulfilling the spirit and not the flesh. Uh, so he says, if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Paul's dealing with, you know, you could you could preach for three months on this one portion of Scripture. But you know, the thing is, is what he's saying here is, is there's, there's two roads, friend. There's the road that follows after the flesh and there's the road that follows after the spirit. And there is fruit that comes from whichever choice we make in life. And, you know, uh, following the flesh, it leads to 
immense darkness and all kinds of problems and you've got all this these these things going on there idolatry witchcraft hatred discord you know we've we've spoken so many times about all these different things and many people even christians uh you know will still resist and say asher those things that you know you're 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 going on a bit too much there now those things don't exist oh yes they do friend and they will manifest in your life and in the lives of your children and your descendants and this is the thing like we spoke about in the last podcast about joy you know this satan is a devourer and he comes to devour not only you know uh, the, the adults lives but he comes to devour the children and the descendants and the family lying down along and i believe you know so many people uh, are dealing with problems with sicknesses uh, with with curse uh, whether financial or whether whatever because it, so much of it is visiting down the the generations because of things that went on in the previous generations but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace you know there's there's these beautiful fruits of the spirit that uh where where god wants to bless you where he wants to bring stability and peace where he wants to bring abundance really and those things are to be found from following the spirit of god and praise god you know bitterness is something that I just want to look at today. Let's go have a look at Hebrews chapter um, 10, Hebrews chapter 12, actually, about a bitter root. Thank you, Father. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We worship you. We thank you for this word today in Jesus' name. Um, in Hebrews chapter 12, and let's start at verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. And the feeble knees. So often in ourselves, you know, friend, we realize how weak we are and how how little uh, power we have. Many people, you see, we can be they can be riding high and everything can be going great. And then suddenly the enemy comes and attacks. And it's very evident all of a sudden how weak and how fragile we are and how fragile life is. So strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. In many people's lives and even in their family lines, there is a root of bitterness. And it has not only defiled the person uh, originally involved or the person to whom originally the, the wrong was done, but it has passed on generationally. And it will manifest in some way. And it can manifest in disease. It can manifest in, in depression or mental breakdown. It can manifest in relational breakdown. In, it can manifest in financial breakdown, but it will come out. And people uh, can be so blinded and not even know that there is a bitter root somewhere. Um, so let's have a look at where bitterness can come from. You know, you can be bitter in your job. You can be bitter uh, 
because of the way that you work and uh, the the input and and the 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 uh, the great work that you do that's maybe never recognized. Perhaps you work and and other people you know uh, take time off or, or or let you take all the slack, and and that causes bitterness. It causes you to feel overlooked. Uh, many people can even be bitter in in ministry. You know, they can be um, working so hard for the Lord. They can be doing such great things and feel that they're never recognized. Uh, people can be even bitter or have bitterness in their soul. Um, your soul, again, is your emotions, your mind, your heart. Uh, people can be bitter who working, you know, working at home, even I do all the housework, nobody ever helps me here. I do all this, nobody, you know, these things can cause wounds in the heart, in the soul area, and it can spring up a root of bitterness. And I will say this, that, you know, when you hear the what we just read there in Hebrews, you know, springing up a root of bitterness by which many can be defiled, you know, you have to think about things like cancers, things like generational diseases that pass down through families. If uh, bitterness is examined and repented for, many of those things are healed and those people can be delivered and set free. People can feel bitter from, you know, like I said, not getting any help or not getting any gratitude. So what we'll do is we'll just read, actually, in Exodus, the book of Exodus. Again, we're going back to uh, just chapter one. And it was uh, an account of the time just after uh, Joseph and his brothers had died and a new Pharaoh came to power. Let's read it together. Um, it goes on to read through, you know, the names of those of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man and his household came with Jacob. Jacob was the father. Uh, so you had Reuben, Simeon, Levi and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher. All these who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons, for Joseph was in Egypt already, so Joseph was another son. And Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Because, you see, God had blessed them. And uh, this goes back to Abraham, when God said to Abraham, I will bless your descendants, I will bless them for thousands of generations. Uh, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. He he, he spoke that to him in, in Genesis chapter 12. But um, So the children of Israel were extremely fruitful. And as we read there earlier, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. God is always interested in fruit, but so is Satan. Like we said earlier, you know, the devourer comes to steal the fruit. And I really encourage you to listen to that last podcast. It was called Devouring Joy. And, um, you know, uh, the Lord said that he will rebuke the devourer for our sake. And as I said earlier, Jesus came to set us free and not only to set us free, but to give us an abundant life, a life of joy, a life of uh, that we could, you know, enjoy a life of health and strength and peace and stability, 
a life of complete prosperity. And that word prosperity, you know, it means uh, all together and completely whole, nothing missing. That's what God wants for you, friend. So here, the children of Israel were so fruitful and they, they grew exceedingly. Now, in verse 8, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go up out of the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, or the more that Egypt oppressed them, the more they multiplied and grew, the more they expanded. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel, or they reduced the children of Israel to serve them with harshness and rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor or with harshness. So you see here, oftentimes what can happen is, is that a person is set up by their enemies. You know, the devil is cute and he uses other people. He uses people to manipulate or to, to uh, wound people to wound others and to set them up. And this is exactly what happened to the people of Israel because of the jealousy, because of the fear that the Egyptians had that the Israelites would become mightier than them and would up the sticks and leave and, and uh, you know, leave them behind. They decided to take control. And we often see this in life is that, you know, that there's manipulators or people who are operating under a spirit of Jezebel to bully and intimidate and to oppress and press down and deal harshly. And what happens for the victim of this, as you can see here, is the children of Israel, you know, they made their lives, the, the Egyptians made the, the people of Israel's lives bitter with hard bondage. So bitterness can come very easily from feeling like you have been abused or manipulated or, or uh, you know, wronged in some way and wounded. And the danger is, friend, is, is that bitterness, you know, it travels in families. It carries on from generation to generation. It's the only thing that's spoken about. It goes on inside of people's hearts, you know, resentment and, and anger and offense, uh, strife, and it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be repented of, and it needs to be released, forgiveness released against those who, who caused that, that bitterness in your heart. And I'm telling you, there is great freedom in this. Praise God. Uh, you can see there <laughs> that... Uh, Another, uh, what, something interesting is, you know, that the Egyptians set taskmasters over the Israelites to afflict them, to actually inflict punishment upon them in order to uh, control them and to have them as slaves. 
And so many people have been, you know, brought up in a life of slavery or in a slave mentality and bitterness of soul results. Like we said earlier, your soul is your emotions, your mind, your, you know, your heart deep within inside of yourself, your feelings and bitterness can linger there and it can be so subtle you don't even know it. Many of us have hidden it with layers and layers of, of smiles and, and, you know, false personalities. And that's the truth. But it needs to be exposed and brought to the cross so that Jesus can heal us. You know, I was just thinking there today earlier that the Lord... He sings songs of deliverance over you. Zephaniah 3.17 tells us the Lord sings songs of deliverance over you uh, to calm all your fears. You know, the Lord is constantly singing and uh, talking to us. It says in John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me and they don't follow the voice of the stranger. And this goes back to what we read earlier in Galatians chapter five. We have two roads ahead of us. One road is the road of the flesh. It's the road of following the voice of the stranger, the road of of disobeying God and of, you know, uh, getting into agreement with the enemy and, and dabbling with darkness, really. And the other road is the road of the spirit. And it's the road of following the voice of the good shepherd and not the flesh. And it's it's the road of crucifying the flesh, in fact. Because very often what the flesh wants to do and, and carry out, like we read earlier, you know, those things, uh, the, the, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, rage, jealousy, discord, selfish ambition, envy, drunkenness, these things, they're the acts of the flesh. And certainly at times the flesh can, can so desire those things that, you know, it's a battle. And this is why Paul said in Galatians, we have to crucify the flesh. And he was talking about the people who, who used to circumcise uh, their, you know, their physical flesh. Well, he's saying the Lord doesn't want you to circumcise your physical flesh as a Gentile believer. He wants you to circumcise your heart and to get your heart right with him and to expose those things in the heart that have been causing you uh grief that have allowed the enemy to have an open access into your life that have been bringing destruction or disaster upon you or upon your family and so bitterness is one of these things so as we release repentance um, as we release forgiveness to those people who have hurt us as we repent of being bitter we will see freedom and restoration and great joy. And, you know, I believe that the days we're in right now, friend, are days of harvest and breakthrough. And this very day is, is a, you know, an appointment for you with God. And it's an appointment with uh, even, you know, this weekend is, is celebrating Pentecost. And uh, I, I encourage you to have a look online. There's a virtual Pentecost um, where churches 
all across Great Britain and Ireland and Northern Ireland, uh, Scotland and Wales are all taking part in prayer and in, you know, crying out to God for a fresh outpouring of his spirit because we need, we need the presence of God, friend. And this coming move of God, it is going to be a move of the presence of God. It's not going to be, you know, uh, there's going to be a, a move of holiness, of of seeking God, of, of seeking intimacy and fellowship with him. And like I said earlier, he is the good shepherd. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, the Lord speaks about the evil shepherds who are only into, you know, lavishing life, uh, lavishing great things upon themselves, who are only into, you know, abusing and using their people in order for their own selfish ambition and gain. And then he talks about himself, the good shepherd, how he goes out and he looks for that lost sheep. You know, the Lord is always interested in the one. He is so interested in you personally. God is such a personal person. You know, he he loves you. He's interested in every area of your life and he's interested in setting you free and seeing you, your whole life transformed and restored to wholeness and to peace and to joy. And that's why he gave everything he had. He gave his only son so that you could be reconciled to him through the blood of Jesus Christ, forgiven and washed as if you had never sinned. And then, you know, he talks about in Ezekiel 34, how he goes out and looks for that one, that one sheep that's missing, that one sheep that has strayed or that has got hurt or got lost on his own. And the shepherd goes out to find him. And when he finds him, he's overjoyed and he throws that sheep up on top of his shoulders. You know, there's that, again, this um, father, you know, I have a picture at home, a photograph. It's one of my favorites of of uh, my husband with my children on top of his shoulders. You know, there's there's something there, isn't there? It's so special about when you see um, families out for a walk or a stroll and you see the children, you know, and they're laughing and being thrown up on the dad's shoulders and held there protectively. And they, they get a special uh, perspective because they've got a, you know, they've been risen up higher. And uh, that's the picture the Lord has there in Ezekiel chapter 34, that shepherd who goes out after those sheep after that one sheep, puts him on his shoulders so gently and brings him back to the sheepfold and then uh, bandages his wounds and heals him. And and uh, again in Psalm 23, where this shepherd, you know, the good shepherd, uh, makes sure that his sheep have plenty of fresh pasture, plenty of fresh grass, plenty of fresh water, water that's not going to drown them, safe, still water that they can drink freely from. Uh, you know, he puts this table, luxuriant table, laden down with goodness in front of them, even in the presence of our enemies. This is the God we serve. How great is our God? And how greatly uh, to be praised is he. Praise God. So uh, he wants you to be healed from all bitterness, from all the times when you have been wronged and wounded that have caused bitterness to build up in your soul. Because the bitterness, you see, friend, will keep you from intimacy with God because it's allowing the devil to influence. It's allowing an open door for the enemy to bring whatever curse or whatever uh, titbit he wants to bring from his table to you. Many people have been eating the bread of bitterness for many years 
They've been angry at God even. We we have people who, who endure, you know, loss, maybe the death of a, love, a loved one, maybe the loss of a child, a loss of a baby, uh, maybe miscarriage, um, or a baby, you know, who was, who was stillborn, uh, perhaps uh, breakdown in relationships, maybe a betrayal, maybe a breakdown in a marriage, and where people have, you know, held offense and anger towards God and, and feel like God let them down. And, and over time, that, that offense towards God turns into resentment. And it's the very uh, compost in which a bitter root will grow up in. And then there's that bitterness of soul. As we allow the Holy Spirit to expose any bitterness in our souls, in our emotions... What happens is very gently he brings those things to the surface so that we can repent of that bitterness, so that we can repent of of allowing the devil to lie to us, of listening to the voice of the stranger. And so we can even release forgiveness upon those who have brought uh, maybe those wounds, uh, those things that we've been bitter about. Maybe it's abuse. Maybe it's been sexual abuse. Maybe it's been verbal abuse, emotional coercion. Perhaps it's been manipulation by somebody or, uh, you know, bullying of some kind, physical abuse, being beaten up. Um, you know, all these things, they cause scars and wounds on the heart. They prevent a person from to- being totally set free. Many times they prevent that person from being able to connect with God. Many times perhaps it was the father in the family who, who perpetrated those things. Somebody who, who should have uh, represented the love of God and represented security to that child's life. And instead they were betrayed or beaten or, or, or abused in some way by that person. Maybe somebody in authority somebody in in the community who who's you know an upstanding person and and you were wronged by them and and there's this bitterness in your heart deep deep down we're talking about things that are very deep here friend and in fact I'll tell you this much it's a very difficult area of ministry for people because it really it really takes trust to be able to broach this subject And this is the thing, friend, you can trust God. He's not the one who caused this. We have an enemy. His name is the devil. Satan is another of his names. The devourer, as we said earlier. And he comes to bring destruction in whatever way he can. But God sent his son Jesus to bring us freedom and especially to to buy back, uh, to pay the ransom for us to be brought back out of the kingdom of darkness, brought into the kingdom of the son of his love, like Colossians chapter 1 tells us, and to buy us freedom from slavery, from where we have been afflicted in the past. This is why many people are, are struggling with depression and very often, it can maybe not even have anything to do with the person who's dealing with it. It can be something coming down the generations. 
things that were done to our uh, parents or, or grandparents, things that they endured, and and that brokenness uh, that they uh, was that was afflicted upon them is then visited down in the genes. But praise God, that's what Jesus said. You know that He came to set the captives free. He came to bring deliverance. He is our redeemer and he will redeem us. You know, he will redeem good out of whatever bad things the enemy has done. And how we see that come to pass is through our faith in him. Praise God. Many many, many people are, are bitter because of lack of provision. Perhaps, you, you, you know, you grew up in poverty. Let's have a look at that in Job, actually, um, in Job chapter 21. In Job 21 and verse uh, 22, it says, Can anyone teach God knowledge since he judges those on high? One dies in his full strength, being wholly at ease and secure. His pails are full of milk. And the marrow of his bones is moist. That's that's a sign of real health and real, you know, uh, sustenance. But another man dies in the bitterness of his soul. And and one of the translations that for that there is another man dies in the bitterness of poverty. And so you know, poverty and lack, loss of income, perhaps loss of an inheritance, or or loss of of you know, uh, money or or. Um, something you had that was taken from you or stolen from you, perhaps even by banks or by, uh, you know, when there's been a, a recession or, or whatever. That can cause terrible bitterness inside and it can manifest in the body as a physical sickness. So it says here, another man dies in the bitterness of his soul, in the bitterness of poverty, never having eaten with, with pleasure. They lie down alike in the dust and worms cover them. So what he's saying here is, is that uh, there's, there's something to do with security and with having, uh, you know, peace in, in finances that allows a person to, uh, you know, the marrow of his bones is moist, to be healthy and strong. There's something about provision that, and, and this is true, you know, and Many people misquote the scripture. It's back in Timothy and it says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, many people will will uh, speak out that scripture and they'll say, oh, money is the root of all evil. And this is why they'll tell you then it's, it's good to be poor. Jesus was poor. He only had a pair of sandals and a donkey. Well, guess what, friend? Jesus was not poor. <laughs> and uh, sandals is all he needed because he lived in a hot country. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, whereas here in Ireland, we need about, you know, 4,000 pairs of shoes because we could have all four seasons in one day. <laughs> my husband's always giving out to me because I have loads of shoes in my car. And I say, I need them all because I could go for a walk. And then you could come back into the car and, and uh, the sun is out, so you need your sandals. Then. <laughs> but um, Jesus had had sandals because, you know, he, he was not poor. In fact, he had a, he actually had an accountant travel with him. He had a treasurer uh, who held the money. Uh, when he was crucified on the cross, the soldiers cast lots for the garment he was wearing because it was so expensive. It was woven from one piece of fabric. Jesus was not poor. And poverty stinks. 
You go to any place in the world, any deprived area, you go into any family home where they have nothing and you won't be long seeing that poverty stinks and God hates it. And it's interesting, isn't it, that when the children of Israel were in Egypt, they were still flourishing. They were still increasing and being fruitful in every way. And that's when the enemy came to try and um, you know, set taskmasters masters over them and, and try to afflict them and oppress them in order to make them unfruitful and in order to make them slaves. And they were in slavery and enslaved in that uh, nation of Egypt for 400 years. And you can read about it in Exodus. I encourage you, go back and read from Exodus chapter 1 all the way up to Exodus chapter uh, 14, 15 there. It's, it's, it's enlightening. And the thing is, you know, that the Word of God tells us that uh, the Old Testament and the things that happened in the Old Testament to the, the Israelites uh, are a foreshadow of the things that would happen in the future. And they have relevance to us today. Don't ever let anybody tell you that the Bible isn't relevant to you because it is. And there's so many keys for life inside in the Word of God. The Lord has an answer for every problem. And he is the answer. Uh, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to read as well while we are in the word. Uh, if you go with me to the book of Second Samuel, chapter 13, there's an encounter here between a boy, well, a man, I think he was about 22 at the time, called Amon, and his half-sister called Tamar. And this is going back to people who may have bitterness in their heart, uh, you know, because of abuse of some kind, especially sexual abuse or rape or violence. And Amon uh, tricked uh, his half-sister Tamar and actually violated her, raped her and, and caused her great grief and great shame. So much so, and you, you can read it for yourself, you know, how he did it, but uh, in in. Second Samuel chapter 13 and verse 13, well, say verse 12. She answered him, no, my brother, do not force me for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I, where could I take my shame? I'll tell you, friend, many people, and I, I, I'm just talking about my own experience in Ireland. Uh, many people in our nation are dealing with the effects of shame because of abuse that was perpetrated uh, right across, uh, you know, families, uh, institutions, uh, civil authorities, you know, where, where, where girls and boys were abused in their own homes, uh, where they were abused in, in schools or in places uh, with people who they trusted, people who were upstanding members of the community. And the thing is, is that shame uh, coupled with the bitterness and the anger, uh, you know, even the suppressed anger, because so often these things were brushed under the carpet and were never spoken about and never dealt with. And that's exactly what happened here with Tamar. It, David never dealt with it. And what happened afterwards was, was it caused his other son, Absalom, who was Tamar's brother, to kill Amon. And, you know... It, it it caused terrible strife in David's family um, and even caused awful problems for David later on in life because Absalom challenged him for the throne. And, and it caused such grief to David, but also to Tamar. And, you know, she she was a princess and, and she was um, 
in a in a, a you know a palace and and had no lack of any kind in fact she, it it says that she was you know clothed with this special attire that only princes that princesses that only the the daughters of the king wore but you know uh, afterwards the door was bolted and she was thrown out and and so often this is what has happened to people who have been victims of abuse is that the door has been bolted they've been cast out into a, a place of utter darkness and and isolation and and god wants to heal that he doesn't want you to live like that friend those things of the past those things that that open the door for such fear and terror and and you know violation and and physical violence sexual violence God wants to heal those things both for you and for your descendants and again I'll go back to this it travels in families friends and don't ever think that there's no such thing as incest anymore or no such thing as sexual abuse because I'll tell you it's going on everywhere only it's going on behind closed doors and it's only afterwards you'll hear about it and the only thing that will stop that in a person's life and in their family is the blood of Jesus Christ. When we, that's why we apply the blood of Jesus. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over, you know, this is how you pray. I plead the blood of Jesus over all my home, my family, my children, in their schools, uh, with their friends. Uh, you know, all these things, letting children go. Sometimes I just get so, oh, I don't know, you know. We have a saying in Ireland and, uh, you know, that people are simple and it's not a, it's not a compliment. It means like stupid. I, I see people uh, allowing their children to go to other people's homes for sleepovers or for, you know, uh, trusting people with their children that they know nothing about their character and know nothing about what goes on in that home. I'll tell you, friend, you know, it's time for people to wise up. And to learn how to pray and how to protect their children. Because the days we're living in are perilous times. And just because uh, it's, it's kind of historical events that we hear about in the papers does not mean that that is not going on nowadays. And uh, praise God, you know, the Lord wants to deal with these things. He wants justice to be brought for those who have been uh, abused and who have been wounded and the justice that he brought was sending his son to die in their place so that they could be healed and restored and forgiven. And so that they could, that, you know, we need to be able to give forgiveness and to release those things out of our heart. Because otherwise, what happens is they, over time, those wounds, those hearts, those bitternesses, they poison people from the inside out. And this is where you see so much depression, so much cancer, so much uh, disease that doctors have no answers for because they are spiritually rooted. Praise God. I believe the Lord feels so passionately about this. So friend... If any of these things have ministered to you, one more thing I'll say is that so often you hear people cursing and swearing. And in fact, I think it says it in, in uh, Proverbs chapter, if you want to run there quickly. Proverbs chapter 26. Hallelujah. 
Proverbs chapter 26 and verse, praise God, yeah, 22, Proverbs 26, 22. The words of a talebearer or a slanderer or a gossip, and again, I'll say this to you, we need to watch um, the things that are going on in, in in people's conversations and where people are slandering and criticizing and gossiping, especially Christians, where they're, you know, um, coming against Christians. Be very careful. But anyway, the words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. They're like wounds. So the words of a slanderer are like wounds and they go down into the inmost body and what that means is the rooms of the belly fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross he who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself when he speaks kindly do not believe him for there are seven abominations in his heart Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. In another translation, it says those things that he's been doing and seeing behind closed doors will be exposed. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. So, you know, the thing is, is that very often there are people who are who are cursing, who are who are judging other people, who are criticizing them, who are gossiping or slandering them. And the thing is, is often you'll find that bitter words like that, they're proceeding out of a soul that's full of bitterness. And God wants you to break free from bitterness today so that you can have a transformed life and so that you can, uh, you know, be healed of those things that have even been hidden and, and packed away down, down, deep down in the belly, you know, down in, in the very heart of the person, hidden for maybe many years. God doesn't want to shame you or embarrass you, but he wants you to bring those things to him, friend, personally. That's the picture of that shepherd in Ezekiel chapter 34. He goes after the one and he ministers to the one himself. He, he puts that one up on his shoulders. He carries him back to the sheepfold. He heals him. He bandages up the wounds. And he causes that sheep to be totally restored. He's talking about you and me, friend. He's talking about his children that he wants healed and set free. For as we read at the start in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ has set you free in Jesus' name. So come back, we'll break bread and we'll pray and we'll release forgiveness. And I'll just say to you, you know, even just spend some time there talking to the Lord. Spend some time even worshipping and, and, and singing your heart to the Lord and allow him to minister to you and to bring up those things, those areas where you perhaps have been wronged, where you have been um, holding bitterness, uh, you know, where, where, where self-pity perhaps or where there's been no gratitude, no, no help coming, where others have gone on ahead of you and, and seem to get on better in life, where, where those things... Bring these things to the Lord. Let's come back and pray. Amen. In Jesus' name.
Welcome back, friends. So, just to reiterate, we're going to break bread today and share the Lord's meal, uh, the Lord's Supper, in unity together to eliminate and cast out and repent of every spirit of bitterness that has ever filled our souls, filled our emotions, our hearts, our minds, um, even that have uh, been locked away with many years. And again, you know, this bitterness, it can come from, like we read earlier in, in Exodus chapter one, uh, you know, from, from being worked so hard and, and uh, almost having uh, lived life as a slave, perhaps, or never been shown any gratitude, any help. It can, uh, bitterness can come from loss, from the death of a loved one, from the, the, the death of a relationship, from loss of expectation. Perhaps you've been disappointed in love. Um, uh, bitterness with God, uh, offense at God for when things didn't work out or, or when something, you know, catastrophic happened and you said like, God, why did this happen to me? And, you know, maybe didn't realize that that we have an enemy, that the devil comes to steal, to kill and to destroy, um, as many people do. And they blame God and they go through life offended at God and stop believing in him uh, because of the hurt and the pain and the bitterness that has built up inside. Um, we can have bitterness from, like I said, abuse, from sexual abuse, physical abuse, uh, verbal abuse, uh, bullying, intimidating, where, where you know, uh, there was a... Uh, praise God, you know, a Jezebel kind of a spirit operating against you perhaps and, and where you felt incapable of retaliating, maybe you weren't strong enough and, and this causes bitterness inside and it needs to be identified, it needs to be uh, repented of and released, forgiveness released uh, so that that poison is, you know, almost like the boil, and, and we spoke about this at church, uh, you know, where a boil uh, builds up in a person's body and there's there's this pus inside it. It's, it's, it's poison and it's festering and it's throbbing with pain and it needs to be lanced and that poison uh, pushed out and, and squeezed out so that the whole blood system won't get poisoned. And the person could die. And this is what's happened to many, many people uh, where over the years this bitterness has been festering away inside. It's the root cause, as I said, of so many sicknesses, so many cancers, so many um, depression and, and black depression uh, in people where they just see no way out. And God wants you released from that. He does not want you living like that, friend. And uh, lack of provision is another one, as I said, in, in Job 21, uh, we see that very clearly that the man who dies in bitterness of his soul, in the bitterness of the poverty, uh, where you, you've not had enough or where there's never been enough or perhaps where things have been stolen from you and, and bitterness builds up inside resentment uh, towards maybe people who have wronged you financially or wronged you in some way, inheritances that have been robbed. These things need to be healed. And the thing is, is as we get healed, we will see our circumstances healed. And so let's break bread today, friend, and uh, mindfully, I suppose, realizing what we are doing is releasing and, and saying, Lord, I've had enough of living bitter. I've had enough of living with this resentment. I've had enough of of uh, holding grudges or, or of, of being the victim 
because, friend, you're not a victim. And I, I believe this is so important, especially for people who have been abused in the past in, in circumstances where they felt the weaker vessel, you know, maybe as children or maybe as a um, somebody who's been in a, a toxic relationship where there's been violence or some kind or, or bullying. Um, very often what can happen then is that we develop a victim mentality and God needs that broken a victim mentality, a, a poverty mentality, you know, we we never, we will never have anything like what they have, you know, this kind of, and that can, can cause all kinds of things. It can also cause, uh, you know, jealousy and envy to uh, develop. And Proverbs is very clear, you know, tells us that jealousy and envy are rottenness to the bones. And this is something that affects people as they get older. You see, you know, brittle bones and uh, you see degenerate discs, uh, you know, the back, uh, uh, herniated discs, all these kind of things. The thing is, is that uh, these emotions are toxic to the body. And as we deal with them, those things, we will see healing come not just in our emotions, not just in our mind, but even in our physical bodies, even in our relationships, even in our marriages. Praise God. Amen. So are you ready? Let's break bread and we'll take this uh, bread together today and we'll say this prayer. Father God, I come to you today through your son Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. Lord Jesus, I thank you that on the cross, you allowed your body to be broken so that my body, my mind, my heart and my soul could be healed. Lord Jesus, you know all those things, those circumstances that I have lived through, those traumas and wounds that were caused to me. But today, Lord Jesus, I choose to release all bitterness all anger, all offense, all resentment and hatred that I have held in my heart because of the circumstances that I have lived through or the things that have happened to my family. In the name of Jesus, I renounce and sever every cord of bitterness, every root of bitterness. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to dig it up and take it out of me, remove it from me. I cast out the spirit of bitterness and I release forgiveness today to those people who wounded me. And I, I'd ask you to think about that. And I'm sure you've thought about it already, you know, because this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And um, we're celebrating, as I said, Pentecost, you know, the the the, the uh, time when the Holy Spirit came upon uh, God's people. And he's still coming upon us today. And the thing is, is that God is so gentle, friend. And he brings these things to the surface and it can be very beneficial for you to even write down things, even as you're listening to teachings, you know, uh, and have your little notebook with you, because sometimes we forget. And it can be something very small that needs to be dealt with that brings an enormous turnaround and breakthrough. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He is, uh, you know, the transforming power of God. And so often we find that, well, actually not so often, always we find that transformation comes with the release of forgiveness. 
because forgiveness um, breaks that yoke or that harness that enslaves, like we read earlier in Galatians, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. So don't be yoked again in slavery with a yoke of bondage or slavery. And uh, we saw it there in Exodus chapter one. That's exactly what the enemy did. He cons- the Pharaoh and his cohorts conspired behind closed doors as to how to, uh, you know, prevent the fruitfulness of God's people, how to stop their destiny and their uh, abundant life and how to instead yoke them and harness them in and use them and abuse them. And this is the way the enemy works. But the Holy Spirit works by bringing things gently to the surface so that we can deal with them, so that we can release it. And that harness of 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 uh, anger and resentment that causes pain, even physical pain in the body. Many people have been, you know, uh, dealing with with uh, knots and 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 pains and and uh, uh, conditions for years that have are all stemmed in bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment. So uh, as you remember those people or those situations where you need to release forgiveness healing and transformation will result and don't worry you know sometimes people get worked up and say uh, every time I think of them it comes back again well listen you just go back over it again father I thank you that I have forgiven those people just as you have forgiven me and I thank you I forgive them in the name and in the person of Jesus Christ and I release that forgiveness and I thank you Lord for healing my heart for healing every scar like we read or, or saw earlier in Ezekiel 34 you know God the good shepherd goes after each one of us one by one. He, he looks for his lost sheep, the sheep that have strayed away, the sheep that have got hurt and wounded and that have isolated from the from the flock. He goes after you specifically, puts you on his shoulders and brings you back home, reconciled back to himself, back to his bosom, back to the sheepfold where he can bandage your wounds and heal them. And you know, friend, healing is a process. And certainly there are miracles of healing and and instant miracles, uh, you know, absolutely. But oftentimes uh, you do see as well that healing is a process and that it's like layer upon layer because over the years it took you a long time to get into that state, you know, Many times you find that it's not just one event or one circumstance that has caused, that is the root of a problem. It has, you know, evolved over the years and there's been like, you know, circumstance upon circumstance upon circumstance. And and the Lord needs to deal with all the emotions and all the the, uh, breakdown involved in each of those events or each of those circumstances. And especially what he wants to deal with is what has been passed on generationally. And very often we don't know or understand the things that went on in our parents, in our grandparents, in our ancestors' lives. And that's why we need to, uh, you know, understand historically where we've come from. I always believe that we have to understand where we've come from in order to uh, receive breakthrough, to go where God wants us to go. Because we cannot travel on with this baggage, with these harnesses or yokes of of. Uh, 
bondage that have enslaved us, enslaved us to fear or depression or sickness or failure or defeat or, or lack. You know, God wants you to, re- that baggage to be removed off you, friend, so that you're free. And if you think of, you know, in the Bible times, it was the donkeys that were used to carry uh, carry the burdens and carry the weights. You know, they were very valuable animals, camels as well. But um, the donkey was probably a little bit easier because they could get through, you know, small gaps and things like that. And you, you see the difference between a donkey that's weighed down with an enormous weight on his back. And then you see a donkey who's who's uh, got no weight at all and he's free to, to enjoy his pasture and run around his field and, and enjoy life. Well, that's, I'm not saying you're a donkey now, okay. Uh, but the thing is, is that uh, God wants you free from those weights. Amen. So as you, uh, as the as the Holy Spirit brings to mind things, areas in your life where there has been bitterness, let it out and release it and forgive and release that forgiveness and sever that cord sever that cord renounce any vows this is another thing is that people make vows i'll never again trust anybody i'll never again talk to that fella or that girl you know and 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 we make inner vows that actually cause their their oaths and their covenants that we make uh, so those things need to be renounced and broken and those cords broken with the past, so that freedom can come. Amen. So, Father, I thank you today that that freedom comes to this, my brother and my sister. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. This is a new day. It's a new season. It's a season of expectation, a season of breakthrough, a season of harvest and uh, for for good things to come, Lord. And we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I thank you today uh, for, for breakthrough in Jesus' name. And as we eat this bread today, Lord, we eat it in remembrance of what you did, that your body was broken so our bodies could be healed, that you took all that turmoil, all that pain and anguish upon yourself, Jesus, that you were beaten mercilessly, that you were mocked and spat at, that you were rejected, that you were hated, that you were wronged so unjustly. They wronged you. And Jesus, you took all that upon yourself so that we could be set free from those things. And we just release freedom today into the, each, people, each person's heart here, Lord, in Jesus' name. And as we eat this bread, we declare that we were, uh, our, you were pierced for our transgressions and our sins. You were bruised for our iniquities, for those things coming down the generations upon us. The chastisement of our peace was upon you so that we could have peace in our, and stability in our minds and our hearts. And by your stripes, Lord Jesus, we declare, I am healed. Amen. Take the bread. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, for bringing emotional healing. I thank you, Father, for allowing the Spirit of God to move and to fill each home, each heart, Father God. I pray a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit upon each one today, Lord, and that you would bring revelation, that you would bring freedom, Lord. These keys are freedom, keys to the doors that lead to freedom. I command every door to be opened, Father God, uh, where the enemy has locked in your people. And Father, I command every door to be shut, 
where the enemy has gained access to people's lives, Father. I praise you in the name of Jesus. It was for freedom, Jesus, that you have set us free. And we receive and rejoice in that freedom today, Lord. We walk in that freedom. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We'll take the cup. Hallelujah. Sorry about all this noise. That's the couch I'm sitting on. Um, we'll just take this cup together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for forgiving us all of our sins and releasing us through the blood of the new covenant, the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Your sinless, perfect blood, Jesus, has washed away and cleansed us from all sin, from all unrighteousness and from all iniquity and from all the baggage and pain of the past. And Lord Jesus, as you have forgiven me, I now forgive those people who have hurt me and wounded me. I forgive them in the name and the person of Jesus. I release forgiveness and mercy to them, even though they don't deserve it, but neither did I. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for setting me free from all hatred, from all bitterness, from all anguish in my soul. I renounce every covenant, every oath, every inner vow that I have ever taken, every idle word, every curse word, every bitter word that I have released out of my mouth. I repent of them in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to cleanse me, Jesus. And I cancel out all those oaths and covenants and words. And I break their power over myself and over my children and over the people that I release them upon. And I pray instead, Father, that you would bless us. And I release, Father, forgiveness from all offense. I release that spirit of bitterness and resentment. And I sever the cord of agreement with it in Jesus' name. And I rejoice today because of your death, Lord Jesus, and your resurrection, that I am a child of God, I am beloved, I am accepted, and now I am healed in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take the cup. He said to do this in remembrance of me. And the reason we take the communion and, and break bread, friends, is as a a remembrance, as a memorial of what Jesus did. And what it does is every time we do it, it brings healing and restoration. It's like I said earlier about those layers. Uh, you know, that's how we deal with it. We break the bread. And very often, you know, friend, I'll tell you this, you can break bread even around your home, even around your, your land, uh, around your workplace. Uh, you know, take take communion there. Break bread. Uh, pray out whatever the Lord is leading you and take the cup and even, you know, for the land, pour out the cup, pour out what's left in the cup after you've taken your, your sip or your drink, pour out the rest of it on the land as a symbolic gesture of that land and that property or that place being cleansed with the blood of Jesus. And every, uh, you know, demonic thing that has been attached or that has gone on there, you know, because we don't know what has gone on um, upon our properties, upon our upon our uh, land or workplaces even. Those things need to be broken and repented of and renounced. And every card and agreement with the demonic realm or with the darkness be broken in Jesus' name. And what better way to do that than to pour out the cup? And you see, uh, there's such power in the blood of Jesus. 
the enemy. Remember that in, in back going back to Exodus again. In Exodus chapter 12, when the Lord told them to put the blood over the doorposts and on the lintels of the door, and then he said, stay inside in that house. Do not go outside the blood. Because when the angel of death, when the destroyer comes in that night, he cannot cross the blood. But anybody who's outside the blood is is a target. And you see, uh, when we pour out the cup over the land that we've been uh, living on or, or the place where you've been working, and I'm not telling you now to stain carpets or anything like that, but you can you can symbolically pour it, you know, even out the window or something. But it's what you're doing is you're making a, um, a proclamation and you're making a declaration, devil. This is the line of the blood and you cannot cross here. And anything that has gone on here in this land or on this property, even back along the generations, I command right now today that the blood of Jesus cleanses it and that every demonic spirit that has gained access or that is operating in this place, that has access or authority in this place, I right now renounce that and break its power in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. And through his blood, I declare this place cleansed and washed. Remember, he said, though your sins are as red as scarlet, I will make you as white as snow. He said that in Isaiah chapter 5. And and uh, that goes for every area of our lives. God wants you cleansed by the blood in order that you can be free and full of his joy and rejoice free from burdens, free from slavery, free from all bitterness. God bless you, friend. Have a great day. And I pray today, Father, for a release, a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit, a fresh revelation of your word, of your love. Lord, I pray for a, a baptism of your love and your glory to fill each heart, each home. I speak right now miracles to be released into people's bodies, into their hearts, into their relationships. I, I command every demonic attack that has come against this person, Father God. I break those demonic attacks in the name of Jesus. I bind all retaliation, every assignment of the enemy enemy that has been sent against this your child father for the sake of the word i break the power of those retaliation uh, attacks in jesus name and i loose lord your ministering angels to stand and guard and protect them and their family everywhere they go i root up every trap every snare the devil has set with the blood of jesus christ and i praise you and i thank you lord for the spirit of breakthrough for harvest for turnaround even in in situations father god that they're facing those mountains that are facing them lord we speak to those mountains today and we command them to be removed and be cast into the sea in jesus name and we bind you devil in the name of Jesus. We bind every uh, uh, trick and trap that the enemy has set and we loose today, Father God, your answer, Lord. We loose your spirit. We loose the Prince of Peace into those situations, Jesus Christ himself. And we thank you, Lord, for turnaround and transformation in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friend.